The sports world has been greening itself for most of the century, but despite these efforts, most fans have no idea. That changes now. Welcome to Green Sports Pod. Hosted by Lou Blaustein, Green Sports Pod highlights the successes, challenges, and opportunities to green the games we love to watch and play, and give you the chance to hear from the athletes who are taking positive environmental actions. Learn more and subscribe to the show today at greensportsblog.com. Hello, everybody. My name is Lou Blaustein, and welcome to episode 12 of Green Sports Pod. Today, we are thrilled to have with us Richard Vivers, who is the CEO and founder of The Ocean Agency, which is an innovative, creative agency for whom the ocean is the client. And I've never heard of anything like that, but I'm glad that it exists. So let's get started. Richard, first of all, thank you for joining us on Green Sports Pod. And thank you very much for the invitation to be on the podcast. So to get to a place where you've created an agency called the Ocean Agency in which the ocean is the client, the backstory to that (laughs) has to be fascinating. So please take us through it. Yes, I mean, mine is a sort of very unusual journey. I sort of started off my career really in advertising. So working at some of the top London agencies for about 10 years until I had a really bad meeting one day. We'd been sort of up all night talking about toilet tissue and how to sell four-ply toilet tissue rather than three-ply toilet tissue. And I realized that was the end of my career in advertising. And I decided to become an underwater photographer. So walked out, moved over to Australia, and then started this new career. And it was in this new career that I really discovered there were so many issues happening with the oceans that were simply not talked about. There was very little support for ocean conservation. And it really drove me to want to use my advertising skills to tackle this issue. And that's when we set up the Ocean Agency. And when you first talked to people about the Ocean Agency and the ocean is the client, what is their reaction? Well, often it's, it's similar to yours. They haven't heard of anything like it. But that's what's needed in ocean conservation. Every meeting I've been to is there's always a focus saying that we need better communication. And that's one of the biggest challenges that we've got with the ocean is it's out of sight and out of mind. 99.9% of people don't dive. So it's really a communication issue. So the ocean is the client. Talk about some of the early projects and when, you know, and when was this and how did you go about getting these early projects? Well, the, the first project that we came up with was taking Google Street View underwater. And we thought, well, the big issue is people aren't engaged with the ocean. You know, people can't see what's going on. There isn't a record, really, that allows us to see change over time. And we thought, well, you know, if Google can do this up mountains and in forests and, and all in any terrestrial environment, why don't we take it underwater? So we contacted Google. They were interested. And we contacted potential sponsors and finally managed to sort of land the deal. And off we went. We built our camera and went off on what I was hoping would be sort of the adventure of a life, as in a lifetime, that would take me all around the world to the best dive spots and revealing what was going on in the ocean. But it would just be a huge adventure. But that was just the start of the journey, really. 
we had sort of amazing experience with taking Google Street View underwater, you know, starting off in places like the Great Barrier Reef, then Galapagos, with military boats taking us out to the coolest locations. And more people went virtual diving on the first day of Google Street View underwater than have ever been diving in history, which shows you the power of collaboration. But that was just the sort of first project, because as soon as we sort of started off on that journey, then we found out sort of the next big challenge for the ocean, which then took us off on in a very, very different direction. And what was that next challenge? Well, the next challenge was, you know, we we showed this imagery to the scientists and the scientists said, look, there's a chronic lack of funding for ocean science. There is no global survey of coral reefs. So although there was lots of different surveys in different locations, the data wasn't comparable. So we didn't really know the state of reefs around the world. So we said, well, what we could do is sort of adapt our camera to be able to do that global record of coral reefs. And we teamed up with the University of Queensland and our sponsor, uh, Catlin Insurance, to then do a global survey of coral reefs, taking a million images of reefs in 28 different countries all around the world. Is it one crew and one camera going to the 28 different reefs, or is it several teams going at several at the same time? Yes, we had 15 scientists working on it and then our team sort of working on the communication. So we often had sort of two boats going out. We had four different cameras, all taking 360 degree images as you're sort of motoring along the reef with a military grade scooter. So it was this big adventure, diving in a way that people don't normally dive. You know, we were doing two kilometers in a dive, three dives a day, taking sort of a thousand images on each dive creating this incredible record of coral reefs around the world. And when was this? It really started in 2012 and went through to sort of around 2016. The result from the survey was really to create a baseline record so we could monitor change over time. And so we took a million images and also had to develop software to analyze that imagery to make it all open source. So we created something called the the Global Reef Record where that analysis was made open source for scientists all around the world to then be able to use as a baseline to monitor change over time. So a really, really powerful tool. But we also then were there with the right equipment at the right time to record some of the big changes. So big storm events and also a die-off called the third global bleaching event. So then again, the purpose of the Ocean Agency changed to really reveal that event and, and record that event. If the ocean is your client, it sounds like your audience is scientists, but doesn't it need to be the general public as well? Absolutely. And it really depends on this challenge that we're trying to address. So in this second part of the the Ocean Agency journey that we've been on, it was addressing this fundamental lack of funding for ocean science. So with that, we had a very different target audience. What we decided to do was try and create a sports sponsorship model. So could we make such great imagery and storytelling around a global survey of coral reefs that we could attract a corporate sponsor that would be able to benefit from that exposure. And we generated over 10,000 media articles, a six-page spread in Time magazine, 10 documentary features. And so it generated over $200 million worth of media exposure, which then paid for the entire survey 
and a company made money out of the process. So just creating a new model for funding ocean science to address what is a major issue of lack of funding. So you had, I mean, you had success. This model proved out. So what have been the follow-on projects that have resulted from this? Well, it was really sort of making that all available and making the, the model of sports sponsorship for science and promoting that. You know, we're looking to do sort of new projects around that idea and bring in more funding for ocean science as we enter sort of the decade of ocean science, which starts at the end of this year, 2021 through to 2030 is the decade of ocean science. That's a big, important decade we're in right now. Absolutely. And we need something like tenfold increase in funding for ocean science to really tackle the issues at the scale and speed that we need to. So a real opportunity to address the chronic underfunding of ocean science. It's really interesting that you mentioned that it's the sports sponsorship model and we are Green Sports Pod. How is that being received out in the marketplace? I think there's just fascination that you can actually support ocean conservation and ocean science in a way that isn't just philanthropy. There's always this assumption that businesses have to sort of give a token amount for a period of time, but there's no sort of real business return, whereas you can achieve both objectives. The one thing that ocean science and ocean conservation needs more than anything else is media exposure, and that's really what businesses are looking for. And as you're seeing the market changing with so many new consumers demanding that businesses get involved in conservation, in environmental action, you're seeing this sort of huge opportunity of appealing to a new market whilst creating sort of maximum media exposure and benefit for the companies. So there's huge potential in in this sort of sponsorship model moving forward. So I could see a bunch of different important sports sponsor categories being interested in sponsoring this. Absolutely. And, you know, once you start digging, you realize there are so many opportunities. It doesn't have to be sort of the usual companies that you would approach and the ones that you think of immediately when you think of the ocean. It can be companies that specialize in image recognition, for example. So we had a million images and we needed to analyze them to the same accuracy as a marine biologist. Normally, it would take a marine biologist an hour per image to analyze them. So a million would be extremely expensive and slow process. So we had to work with the world's leading experts. And we actually sort of teamed up with UC Berkeley, but also bringing corporate partners such as Accenture. And we had a project looking to advance the accuracy of the image recognition by teaming up with you know, one of the world's leading experts. I'm guessing that you are aware of what the NFL did with the coral reefs around Super Bowl 54, the 2020 Super Bowl in Miami, where they restored reefs at the size of a football field. Is that something that you guys have looked at or could see being involved with something of that nature? Absolutely. And we've been sort of working with the teams um, working on that project. I mean, it's a great project. And this is the power of communication by bringing on partners that can reach such a huge audience, you can suddenly get interest in these causes that don't normally get much attention. And packaging that around sort of restoring a reef the size of a football field makes it relevant and makes it an interesting story and something that um, people can really sort of get behind. So I think there's just huge potential for working with sports. We teamed up with the World Surf League 
on a project to really promote the need for coral reef conservation and teamed up around their Tahiti Pro event, which is on, on a reef. And that was hugely successful at engaging their audience and providing really sort of engaging storytelling and, you know, getting the stars involved, people like 10 times world champion uh, Kelly Slater, talking about coral reef conservation, but doing it in a way that appeals to a very different audience than the usual sort of ocean conservationists. And in that case, the audiences were surfing fans who are, to my mind, more likely to be millennial and Gen Z than they're likely to be Gen X, baby boomer and above. Absolutely. And this is sort of the key market for so many businesses that are not just looking for companies to be sustainable, they're looking to them actually creating impact. And that's where sort of these deals can really make a big difference to appeal to those audiences. So talk a little bit about that, the World Surf League project and what was the Ocean Agency's role in it? Well, as our sort of journey continued from Street View, underwater Street View, then we did a global survey of coral reefs. We then did a project called Chasing Coral, which was all about revealing what was happening to coral reefs. And I'll come back to that one. But after that project, we wanted to get really involved in conservation. We had a project called 50 Reefs, which was all about unlocking big philanthropy. So massive support, charitable giving towards coral reef conservation. And that was very successful, but we realized that we still weren't working at the scale that we needed to. Coral reefs are worth about $375 billion a year to the global economy. So you need massive investments in coral reefs to really make a big impact. And that means government support. So we came up with a campaign called Glowing, Glowing, Gone, which was really from a moment that I had underwater while we were chasing the big global die-off of coral reefs. And this was in New Caledonia, where we came across these reefs which were glowing in these incredible colours, bright yellows, bright blues and bright purples. And it's a natural defence against underwater heat waves. The corals produce a chemical sunscreen in their flesh And as their flesh turns clear because of the heating, as they're losing their food source, the corals just glow in these incredible colours. And what we witnessed in New Caledonia was uh, probably the most vibrant coral fluorescing that's ever been recorded. And yet it was sort of only me and my team that got to see this. And we saw this as sort of the ultimate ocean warning. And we thought, well, we should use these colours and create a campaign around them. And that was the Glowing, Glowing, Gone campaign. Now, we teamed up with Adobe and we teamed up with Pantone and made these sort of official colours of climate action and then produced a campaign which was all about really amplifying the ocean's warning by getting creatives involved. And once we did that campaign with Adobe, it then led on to the World Surf League seeing the campaign and saying, well, what we should do is change our the jerseys of our competitors as why don't we just turn our whole Tahiti Pro event glowing in these colours? And for the first time ever, they changed their jersey colours to the colours of the glowing corals and gave the talking points to all the stars to talk about what was happening in the oceans and what needed to be done. So those vibrant colours were actually a danger signal. Absolutely. I mean, it is one of the most, Time magazine wrote a piece on it, calling it nature's most beautiful death. And it is like a visual alarm going off underwater 
that no one gets to see. It's as if the corals are sort of crying out in colour. So the World Surf League event was actually around August in 2019, last year, the Tahiti Pro event. And since then, you know, the campaign's been growing with the support of the UN Environment Programme. And we've been reaching very large audiences through their goodwill ambassadors getting involved too. And is that something that will continue post-COVID, let's just say? Yes. I mean, obviously, it's very challenging during uh, COVID to be able to sort of run campaigns effectively. What we've decided to do is really develop the campaign to go sort of broader rather than just target coral reef conservation, really target ocean protection because we've got a number of meetings coming up which are absolutely critical meetings for ocean conservation. And these are meetings which 2021 is being called the super year for the ocean because we're setting long-term targets for ocean conservation and biodiversity conservation. And so what we want to be doing is really targeting key ocean protection that will help coral reefs and other ecosystems at these key meetings. So legislation like protecting 30% of the ocean, uh, protecting the high seas, having priority protection for coral reefs. And these are all sort of policies that could be passed next year. Passed at different national governments or through the UN or both? It's really mainly through the big UN meetings. So there's a big UN meeting which is on biodiversity. There's another one which is the UN Ocean Conference. There's another one which is the IUCN World Conservation Congress. And then there's obviously the Climate COP at the end of next year, which will be pivotal in in making sure we get strong commitments for climate action, which is so important because coral reefs are really the front line of the climate crisis. Yeah, I mean, it's really you guys underwater taking those images. You're the canary in the coal mine. Absolutely. And people forget that, you know, 93% of the climate change heat is being absorbed by the ocean. And that's really where some of the worst impacts are happening. Coral reefs are arguably the most biodiverse ecosystem on the planet with a million species. And we're likely to lose 99% of them if we don't stick to the Paris Agreement. With these conferences and these events, which may be virtual or not, what will the ocean agency's role be in those? Well, the idea really is to show the face of support of ocean protection. There are lots of environmental organisations supporting ocean protection and some very big petitions happening. But that's this voice that you expect at these conferences. So it almost becomes easy to ignore by policymakers because we've had the same voices for you know decades. Same old, same old. Exactly. So what we need is new voices. And that's where sports comes in. That's where big brands come in. That's where sort of celebrities come in and showing that ocean protection has mainstream support. Now, we saw this so successfully with ocean plastics. When the brands got involved, when the sports stars got involved, suddenly the issue wasn't seen as a extreme environmental activist issue anymore. It was a mainstream issue and there was political capital to support that issue and to create policy, to create funding. And suddenly you saw massive policy and funding made available for this issue because it became mainstream. And so that's what we're wanting to do with ocean protection. We've got this new initiative called the Ocean League, which is all about showing mainstream support for ocean protection. And what we're going to be doing is, is really showing that in a creative way at these key events. 
these key decision-making moments. So showing faces of the people that support ocean protection, but doing it in a highly creative way with Adobe. We've created these filters that allow people to take underwater pictures of themselves or seemingly virtual underwater pictures of themselves and post imagery showing that they support ocean protection in a fun and engaging way rather than the usual just supporting with a signed petition. I can visualize it. It sounds very, very cool and something that would be a lot different than you know going through the latest document about ocean health. I think it will get the people who are the decision makers attention, which is the idea. You mentioned athletes being involved. Are there athletes that are involved, you know, in the creative executions that you're doing for these conferences? We've been working sort of mainly with actors and, you know, celebrities. So there are goodwill ambassadors from the UN like Jane Goodall involved, but we are sort of looking to get more sports stars involved. Recently, we've been working with the ocean race and looking to get sailors involved, but all sorts of stars. Footballers are getting involved through the UN and the Goodwill Ambassador Programme. And so there's just huge potential for reaching very large audiences just by getting sports stars involved and doing it in a positive, fun and engaging way. And staying away from the science, so to say, and just connecting with people on a human level. Absolutely. That's the key. I mean, humans don't act logically. They act on emotion. And so if you can create excitement and energy around a cause, suddenly people want to get involved and they want to actually create policy and they want to create action around that cause. And that's really the secret. Um, You can talk about the issues till you're blue in the face and it rarely leads to action because it needs that emotional connection. And that's really the secret of sports stars getting involved in these kind of campaigns is they create excitement and they're a shortcut to it. Brilliant. So talk a little bit, you mentioned before the ocean race, which for our listeners is a round the world sailing race. Yes, they sail around the world over eight, nine months time. And so in the sailing world, there's America's Cup, There's Olympic sailing and there's the ocean race. Those are the crown jewels. So talk about your work with the ocean race and what you guys are doing with them. Well, we were sort of working with the ocean race to really sort of help craft the narrative. And it was exciting when we started talking to the ocean race because just saw such huge potential. You look at people that take part in these ocean races And they're phenomenal. They have this mentality of winning. There is no obstacle that is too big. You've got these great stories of overcoming adversity and just through sort of sheer willpower and skill and knowledge and tenacity and all these various skills that make a sort of great ocean racer. That's exactly what we need in ocean conservation. So they can bring in this mentality of winning. And so that's what we got very excited about was let's leverage that. Let's embrace that mentality of winning. It's all too easy sort of being in ocean conservation to have this almost mentality of slow progress, accepting that we are going backwards and trying to minimize how fast we go backwards. Slow progress is upbeat. I imagine people are just gloom and doom a lot of the time. Absolutely. And it can be very depressing. So 
this is why bringing in new players with this different mentality, a different approach and tackling these issues in a very, very different way. And we can, as we've seen sort of with ocean plastics, get support very, very quickly. We are a species that thrives on energy. We thrive on excitement and optimism. Yes, you need the outrage from understanding about issues, but it's the outrage and the optimism that really creates change. And so we need to bring in these new players that can create that. Talk to us about the Chasing Coral project and how that fits into what the Ocean Agency is trying to do and the difference it's trying to make. Well, Chasing Coral was a a film that was released back in 2017 on Netflix. And it told this story of us sort of racing around the world, trying to reveal the coral bleaching event, which was killing reefs all around the planet as a heat wave caused by climate change, was really impacting reefs. And that film, which was directed by Jeff Orlowski, who did this amazing storytelling around the event, won the Emmy for Outstanding Nature Documentary back in 2018. And it's been hugely successful for us. It's generated so much interest in coral reef conservation. Do you have a sense of how many people have seen the film? And how has that helped in terms of perhaps generating other projects and generating more impact? Well, it's been seen by, I would estimate, well over 100 million people worldwide. It's been phenomenally successful. And it's, it really is testament to the filmmakers to make a film about essentially a die-off of coral reefs that was actually watchable and people recommended others to go and watch. And it's resulted in all sorts of projects. Our 50 Reefs project was really as a direct result of Bloomberg Philanthropies um, watching the film and wanting to get involved. And so that really made a big difference with that project alone. But it's generated all sorts of interest around coral reef conservation. And this is the same director and team that produced Chasing Ice, right? That was Jeff Olowski's very first film. And I watched Chasing Ice and I felt sort of a little bit emotional about disappearing ice. And I thought, well, if he can make people feel emotional about disappearing ice, then he can definitely do even more with an ecosystem of a million species that's disappearing. So I phoned him up and it was serendipity. He was going to the same locations on the same dates as me. We met up, you know, two or three times and then decided to make a movie about this subject. Now let's pivot to the future. So for us, the Ocean Agency, yeah, we are, when you look at ocean conservation as a whole, it's generally going backwards. All the issues are getting far, far worse at an exponential rate. And we just need a different mindset. We need to use communication in the same way that businesses use branding and marketing to get support for ocean conservation and then have that turn into government action. And it can happen very, very quickly if you do it well. For us, working with these sports stars and sports brands is critically important because that is the mainstream. That shows there's mainstream for a cause And it gets governments to notice and want to really appeal to that mainstream support. So that's where you get government policy, government funding made available very quickly. And we also need the sports mindset, this mindset of wanting to win badly, wanting to do what it takes to win and having the belief that we can win. 
And so often in ocean conservation, people have accepted we're going backwards and that's just the way where it is. We need to minimise the damage. We don't think, well, let's just win this cause, win this challenge. And that's what we need and, and sort of really new energy in ocean conservation. Are there any projects that you have on the drawing board that you'd like to highlight or is it too preliminary at this point? Well, we've got the Ocean League org, which is really a, a show of mainstream support for ocean protection that can be a catalyst for action. And we saw that with the Ocean Plastics campaign when brands like Adidas got involved and sports stars got involved. Suddenly, this cause was seen to have mainstream support and governments acted. And that's exactly what we want to do with a broader issue, which is ocean protection. That's really what we need to be focusing on over the next year especially when a lot of the long-term decisions about the future of the ocean will be made. So talk a little bit about the Ocean League. Well, the Ocean League really is sort of individuals, leaders, brands and organisations coming together to show that there is mainstream support for ocean protection. So it's positive and it's a visual show of support. So we've been working with Adobe and developing tools that are creative lenses in Photoshop Camera, which is a free downloadable app. And what we've been asking people to do is one, sign a petition to show their support, but two, to go the next step and show the face of support. And to show that face of support isn't the usual suspects, isn't the usual sort of environmental activists, but is the mainstream. So what we've been asking people to do is take photographs, of themselves and the camera app allows you to dip underwater virtually and take a picture and then we will be showcasing those at the key decision making moments in this sort of visual display that policymakers will see as they go into some of these key decision making moments and when did that launch and how many people have engaged on this so far well the campaign launched just over a month ago with the launch of two of these photoshop camera lenses Already, we've had over sort of 220,000 downloads of the lenses, which are designed to show your support for ocean protection. And so we've got really good momentum behind the campaign. And what we're wanting to do is really leverage some of the other petitions out there. Greenpeace has got a big petition. We've got another petition from Avaz with large numbers of support. But that is sort of the environmental activist support. What we're wanting to show is We've got a petition on top, which really shows that this also has mainstream support. And so that's why we're getting brands involved, why we're getting the employees of those brands involved. And we're also getting sort of sports stars and celebrities involved to show the mainstream support for ocean protection. First of all, it sounds amazing. Second of all, good luck. But now it's, you know, I don't even want luck to be an issue in it. It's just this has to be a success. Like, all the other climate-related initiatives, or most of them, have to be successful. But at least with the numbers you're talking about, in the hundreds of thousands in a month, you're off to a good start. So that's really great news. We will be following you. I suspect we will be talking again at some point for Green Sports Pod to see how these initiatives are going. But thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and if folks want to reach the Ocean Agency, how should they do it? You can find out all about our work just by going to theoceanagency.org and all the information there. And then please get in touch. 
Fantastic. Thanks again, Richard Beavers, for being part of Green Sports Pod. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Green Sports Pod, hosted by Lou Blaustein. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And head on over to greensportsblog.com, the source for news and commentary at the intersection of green and sports. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on Green Sports Pod.